Om Jnanat Mirandhasya Jnanam Jana Shalakaya Takshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. Yashomati Nandana means, these are names of Krishna. Yashomati Nandan means the delight or the darling of Yashoda. And Rajavara Nagara means the best enjoyer of city boy of Vrindavan. Nagar, do you say that in uh, Tamil? Tamil? Nagar? Yeah, so you can say it. it. means like that, like a enjoyer. Is it? Yeah, so say like that. Yeah. No, Nagar means city, but Nagar. No. Alright, so it means he's, the, you can say he's the, the, the best enjoyer of Vrindavan. Gokula Ranjana Kana. Gokula Ranjana means who gives pleasure to Gokul, to the people of Gokul. And Kana is a nickname of Krishna. Gopi Paranadhana. He is the wealth of the life of the Gopis. Madana Manohara. He who steals the mind of Madam, of Cupid. Kaliya Damana Vidhan, he who affected the uh, subduing of the Kaliya snake. Amala Harinam Amiya Vilasa, Bhaktinathaka says that chanting the spotless names of Hari is the nectarian pastime, ne- nectarian activity. Vilasa. No, exactly Lila. Vilasa. Do you say Vilasa? No. It's easy to translate into other Indian languages. You just say the same word in Sanskrit. It's just the grammar is different, but Tamil is quite different. Vipina Puranda. He is in the gardens and groves of Vrindavan. He is like the, the king, like the Indra. Navina Nagarava. The, the uh, ever fresh, best of the enjoyers. Vamshivadam. Well, you can understand that. And he has the, the flute at his mouth. And Suvasa means he is very well dressed. Good dresser. And fancy dresser. There may be different meanings given because they can mean different things. Rajajana Palana, the protector of the people of Vrindavan. Asura Kula Nashana, the destroyer of the whole dynasty of the Asuras, not just one or two. Nanda Godhan Rakwala, he, the uh, protector of the cow wealth of Nanda Maharaj. Govinda. Govinda means he who gives pleasure to the land, the cows, the senses and the earth. Madhava, the husband of the goddess of fortune, the descendant of the Madhu dynasty, can have many meanings. All of these names can have many meanings. Navanita Taskara, Bhattasi, Sundara, who is very beautiful, Nanda Gopal, the uh, cowherd boy of Nanda Maharaj, Yamuna Tattachara, who wanders on the banks of the Yamuna, Gopiva Sarnahara, 
who steals the clothes of the gopis. Rasa Rasika, the, the enjoyer or he who sports in the rasa dance, the circular dance. Kripama, who is full of mercy. Sri Radha Vallabha, the husband of Radha. Vrindavana Nartabara, the best dancer of Vrindavana. Bhakativinoda Ashraya, the shelter of Bhaktivinoda. We don't actually stop, it's just going from one thing to another. Kirtaniya Sada Harihi, let the kirtan go on. Translation? So we have spoken kirtan also. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. I have to speak into the mic. It's, 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 it appears to be unidirectional. In other words, you have to speak exactly. You have to get exactly in line with it. So what are the questions? The pending questions. Sabya Saji had some question about understanding of Shastra. Right? Do you have that with you now? Do you have it now? That one about the understanding of Shastra. Sometimes it is seen that one verse is explained in different ways from varying perspectives under varying depths of understanding the different acharyas or even by the same acharya. For example, Atmarama verse explained by Narjana. Is it that the personality who spoke that verse intended to convey all those meanings or that the acharyas coming from that in various ways possible within the confines of Guru, Sadhu and Sasana? If later is accepted, then it apparently appears that the need to try to understand the intent of a speaker gets meaningless. Also, many knowledge is revealed knowledge. Thus, the intent of a speaker should be revealed at least. Is this recording going on? In the case of the Amaramaverse, there were. Uh, First of all, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu explained uh, was it 18 meanings to Sarvabhambhattacharya and later on 61 meanings to Sanatan Goswami, something like that. Maybe you can remember the exact numbers. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, the word for mean, the word which is translated as meaning, the word is artha. So the the meaning of yeah, meaning is the meaning of artha. The meaning of artha is meaning. Now the word meaning, at least in English, if you say different meanings, it suggests completely different meanings. One, me one meaning is different to another. But in the case of the Atmarama verse, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave different... He gave or suggested different meanings for different words and combined those different meanings in different ways. But the central meaning was the same in every case. Kurvanti king bhaktim itam bhuto hare They perform uh, unmotivated devotional service being attracted by the qualities of Hari. So uh, various words that the 
Atma, the word Atma can be understood in various ways. The word Muni can be understood in various ways. The word Negranta can be understood in various ways. The central point is that they all perform devotional service. That's the point of that verse. So it's not as different. I mean, there are other verses which are quite different meanings are given. One poet wrote a, uh, a Sanskrit rendition of the Mahabharata, the story of the Mahabharata, which, if the words are interpreted differently, can also be taken as a rendition of the Ramayana. And there are those two verses in the 11th canto of Bhagavatam, Vande Mahapurushate Charanaravindam, which can be interpreted to mean Krishna or Rama or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Tyaktva Sudhustraja Surepsita Raja Lakshmi. That he gave up the, in the case of Rama, he gave up Sita. In the case of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he left. Sita, he, he left the, uh, or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu left Vishnu Priya. Krishna left the Rasa dance. But the word, then Maya Mrigam is interpreted a completely different way in each case. Maya Mrigam means, in the case of Krishna, means, in this verse, means that he becomes like a play doll in the hands of the gopis. Maya Mrigam, in the case when we're interpreting the verse as Lord Rama, means that uh, refers to um, Maricha, who became a uh, an illusory deal. And in the case of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, refers to the conditioned souls who are like foolish animals and illusioned by Maya. So, what is the correct meaning? Well, they're all correct. It's the brilliance of the ass to compose in that way. Uh, and, and the brilliance of the acharyas to find those meanings. Uh, but ultimately, this is all Krishna's brilliance. Sri Madhvacharya proposed to give 1,000 meanings for each of the 1,000 names of Vishnu in Vishnu Sahasranam. Krishna has unlimited attributes and those of his, some of his devotees are favored to perceive those attributes which are stated in his names. So ultimately this language is, it's another attribute of Krishna, it's another, it's non-different from him, it's a, a means of glorifying him. We find in, uh, Bhagavad Gita, that different acharyas, they give different explanations to different verses. I've heard it said, I can't remember which acharya is supposed to be, but there's this verse, this Indriyani Puraniyahur Indriyavya Paramanahai Manasas Tu Parabuddha Yobuddha Paratas Tu Saha. Which Srila Prabhupada gives the meaning. The whole verse rests on the word Saha, He. So Prabhupada says that here, he means the Atma. I presume Srila Prabhupada is following Baladev Vidya Bhushan in interpreting this.
that the uh, there are the senses, then higher than the senses are the mind, higher than the mind is the intelligence, and higher than the intelligence is the soul. If someone wants they can investigate this for me, who said this, which Acharya? Uh, some Acharya had said that the, the, the subject under discussion is karma, lust. So it can be interpreted that higher than the senses of the mind, higher than the mind is the intelligence, and higher than, stronger than the intelligence is lust, which also fits in the, uh, which also fits in the whole sequence of verses. So the, the verses may be interpreted in different ways, but the, the Vaishnava Acharya's conclusion, it's the same. They go, either go this way or you go that way, but the conclusion is that we have to surrender to Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Um, of course, within their understandings, there may be some important differences. Definitely, some words are spoken, they, they have to be understood contextually. For instance, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna, two of the most famous verses, Krishna says, Dharma samsthapanartaya sambhavami yuge yuge. In every age I come to re-establish dharma. But then again Krishna says, Sarvadhaman paritya Just forget all the, give up all the, totally give up all these dharmas. So, uh, everything requires to be explained by Anacharya. Because many of these terms can be you understood in various ways. We may say, well, how did Arjuna understand it? That's the important thing. Krishna spoke to Arjuna with a particular message. Krishna, Krishna spoke to make things clear to Arjuna. There are multiple meanings. Arjuna, you might think he might get more confused. So, uh, my understanding of this is that certainly Krishna spoke to Arjuna with a particular purpose. Krishna didn't only speak to Arjuna. He spoke to uh, all the devotees are willing to hear his message in all times. And uh, we tend to have, especially those, because we're educated in the modern so-called scientific way, uh, we tend to think <coughs> univalently, in, 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 or monodirectionally, or in, in a single plane. But Krishna can speak to various people, can say the same words and have a, a varying message for varying people. Or even to the same people, he can, with the same words, he can give more than one message. And you're, as you yourself have just noted, different Acharyas will say, well, this word means this and therefore this verse means this. Atava, or if this word is t if this word is taken as this, then the whole verse means something else. The same acharya will give a different meaning of the same verse. So that is another aspect of Krishna's brilliance. We could also suggest that by speaking, by giving shastra, he also gives rope to the mayavadis to hang themselves with. This rope, you see, the rope is meant for pulling us up out of material existence. And Mayavadi see, oh, rope, yes, uh, that's meant for hanging ourselves. So they 
misinterpret Shastra. And uh, yeah, Krishna may give them facility to do that also. Matasmriti jnana poham cha. From Krishna comes knowledge and misinterpretation also. It'd be interesting to see. It's another research project. We need a research institute. We need a research project to see what Haracharya said about this. I would guess that Madhva says that you know, this is the meaning. There's no other meaning. This is it. Finished. And if you don't agree, you're a demon. Uh, but our, our Gorya Acharyas are more flexible. Uh, accepting Krishna as uh, himself. He is Vichitra. He is not Ekachitra. Krishna is uh, multicolored or multidimensional. He's not... He is... Uh, a definite entity, but... Uh, that's Madhva's point. He's, he's a definite entity. But he's not so definite that we can understand everything about him. He's, he's definite and indefinite also. There's a few thoughts. It's a job of research. Interpretation of Shastra. Understanding of Shastra. How to understand Shastra. Then again, you get different recensions of Shastra. Uh, ver different versions that have come out in different times that some verses may be different. Some Acharyas reject some verses altogether. Recently I was reading through the Gita Press edition of Gita and I noticed that one verse, there was one syllable different to the, uh, the version that Prabhupada has. Was it Nainam and Naivam? I think it was that. I, I asked Gopi Pranam Prabhu and he says, anyway, it doesn't make any, doesn't make any difference. It means the same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, so a lot of work is required in research, no doubt. I, I mean, I'm not giving, I'm not saying that my answer is all-encompassing. It may not even be possible to give an all-encompassing answer to this question. It opens the great doors of the, the nature of understanding, the nature of individual perception, the nature of knowledge and the transmission of knowledge. These are big questions in philosophy. Yeah, you want to ask something more about that? These are big questions in, philo in Western philosophy especially. They, they, they often can't even get beyond that. They're just stuck in the basement. Trans translate that. If we, uh, yeah, if in Western philosophy, if you want to be absolutely objective, which is of course impossible, then you can't make even the first step in understanding anything, because you can't trust that anything even exists or that what you perceive is an actual perception. It's for our philosophical canon. 
Come on, this is simple stuff. Wait till we get to the philosophy. We in in absolute objects. If you want to be absolutely objective, which is not possible. Or if you want to be absolutely neutral, you can say. Uh, then you, you, you can't be sure that anything really exists. It might just all be a dream. Some philosophers say that. But then again the question comes, well, what is the... Someone or some entity is, has an experience of that dream. Yeah, there's an experience which you call a dream. This is a big point in Madhva's uh, refutation of Shankara's my Advaita Vedanta. Shankara said, well, they, 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 everything in this world is like a dream, it doesn't exist. But Madhva says, well, a, a, there is an entity called a dream. It, it might not be real in the same way that the waking state is real, but there is and there is a phenomena called a dream. It's not totally, it's not non-existent. So anyway, um, in Vedic philosophy, there, uh, or in any philosophy, if you, if you want to get, if you want to make the first step, you have to make a leap of faith. You have to, you have to accept some axioms. For instance, although we're not philosophically thinking about it, the fact that we're speaking to each other means that we accept that what we say is understood by you. That by language we can, we can communicate concepts. There is a cow outside. Behind that door there is a cow. Behind that door there is a cow. So when I say that, you think of a cow, right? A general cow-shaped cow. When I say cow, you think of a cow. Not a specific cow, but a, a cow, a cowish cow. <laughs> you, th you think uh, vaguely of an entity that fits the description of a cow. So without even seeing the cow behind the door, if you believe me, although this is only a hypothetical case, uh, you will accept that there's a cow behind the door. Then you may open the door and look and say, it's not a cow, it's a buffalo. Anyway, this is more for a philosophical seminar. But the point, we, the, the point that we, in everyday life, at every, at every moment, we accept as accepted facts, accepted truths that we can communicate. When I say cow, you think of the same thing that I'm thinking of. That there is a reality called a cow. That there are other beings with which we can communicate. There's, there's some Western philosophy. Solipsism, I think it's where you... The idea is that you just, all, everything that exists is just me and what I perceive and everything else is simply produced from my consciousness. It may sound like a very convenient philosophy until you think, well, I'm the only thing in existence, so let me uh, go and steal something. 
and then in your consciousness a policeman comes and puts some handcuffs on you and you, in your consciousness you end up in a jail. So uh, Bhagavad Gita doesn't deal with this uh, ABCs of philosophy. It's very practical, actually. Purusha sukha dukha anam bhuktritve Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita. Which basically means that if we, we ourselves are the cause of our happiness and distress in this material world. If we perform pious activities, we get material happiness. If we perform uh, sinful activities, we get material distress. And whatever philosophy may, we may subscribe to, uh, we all have experience of happiness and distress. Whatever philosophy we subscribe to, no matter how abstract or skeptical it may be, uh, no one would, would want to be beaten on the head with a cricket bat. Someone will say, nothing is real. There's no meaning to anything. So hit them on the head with a cricket bat and just say, well, it's not real. Shall I do it again? And you can go on and on until he uh, either dies or becomes unconscious or admits that there is a difference between being hit on the head with a cricket bat and not being hit on the head with a cricket bat. Therefore, there must be some level of reality to the pain in his head and the cricket bat. So Vedic philosophy is... Uh, it, it often it, it doesn't deal so much with all these... Uh, in the Western philosophy, they deal with a bunch of rubbish, actually, mostly, which uh, Krishna just rejects as demoniac. Asatyam apratishtante, they say that there's no actual reality, there's no basis to anything. Krishna says these are just demons, that's all, people who, who philosophize like this. So in Vedic philosophy, there's already a a large, I mean, it's based on sanity, not insanity. It's not, it's not just some kind of mental masturbation to, uh, to try to avoid reality. Actual philosophy begins when we accept there is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So, you had something else to say about that? They may appear to contradict each other, yeah. Sometimes one Acharya will say that one another Acharya is wrong, also. He may not... Generally, they are, the Acharyas, they won't say he's wrong. They won't be so crass as to say that the Acharya has made a mistake. But he'll say, actually, it should be understood like this. They sometimes say like that also. Krishna is unlimited. All revelations about him have not yet come to light. Nor will, or, nor will there come a point at which it can be said that all revelations about Krishna have completely been discovered. <laughs> it's difficult for us to imagine or, or to comprehend the level of Krishna's intelligence. 
we're trying to understand Krishna's intelligence from our level of intelligence. Krishna speaks Bhagavad Gita to communicate with us. He has a specific message. It's not that it's just something for people to take and dissect it as they like. There's a school of philosophers. Uh, what's that called? The uh, or oh, in the Western, another you know, completely mad people. Another group of totally insane people. Deconstructionists. That's what they're called. And their whole thing is they take someone's writing and they just interpret it in their own way with whatever they feel like at the time with no reference to what to what the uh, writer intended to convey. It's just complete insanity. But it's a very influential school of philosophy in the Western world. You can see where it's totally mad. These are the, these are the intellectuals. Just, these are mad people. They're, they're just insane, really. Someone writes something, with, that means they have something to communicate to others. They write it within a certain context. And if we want to examine the writings of conditioned souls, we may want to see you know, what are the influences on them. Everyone is influenced by other writers and by their parents and by their teachers, by the culture they were raised in. Even Krishna, when he speaks Bhagavad Gita, he's seeking to disabuse Arjuna of his misconceptions. So if we want to go deeply into the subject of Bhagavad Gita, we may try to understand the misconceptions that were prominent in human society at that time. Obviously, one of the major misconceptions that Arjuna had was that, uh, well, it's, it's a common one even now, that... Uh, Spiritual life means just stopping all activity, which uh, it, it presupposes the Shankaracharya's philosophy. But these deconstructions, they just take it and they read it, and they, you, without any reference to context or what the writer is intending, whatever you feel like at the time, and that's their, that becomes their interpretation. They're just insane people. I mean, there are various ways to go insane in the modern world. One of them is to go to the university. In fact, if you have any attraction, especially to like this psychology, literary interpretation, historical interpretation, another field of total madmen, then uh, especially if you go in the, in the human, what they call the humanities, which is for non-humans, and you're just complete madness all in big long words and just absolutely crazy people with no no connection with reality whatsoever. You know, it's no wonder, I mean, the whole society is insane and people are actually literally insane. That you have, on one hand, you have like gross sense gratification. And if you want to think at all, well, you can either go into this mechanistic, technological or mathematics and or you can go into the insane world of, of modern thought and philosophy. So you have, like you see, all the people in America, they, 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 everyone thinks that, you know, uh, anyone who considers themselves a thinking person thinks that whatever they think is right. You have a whole generation of people who think they're very spiritual because they feel spiritual. 
and we distribute the books and then afterwards meet the people and ask them, did you read it? And they'll either say, I, I was too lazy to read it, or, yeah, but I only read the verses and not the purpose. Because I don't want, I have to find my own truth. I don't want anyone telling me. These are people who are totally ignorant of any spiritual knowledge. Receiving knowledge from an ancient tradition which has for, for millennia concerned itself with the uh, pursuit of transcendence. With a commentary written by a person, Srila Prabhupada, of uh, exceptional spiritual purity, who has deeply studied the conclusions of all the great spiritual teachers and presented it without any personal motivation for the benefit of, in, in English language, for the benefit of idiots like this. And these people are so insincere and so arrogant that they say, no, I don't want anyone telling me. I have to find my own truth myself. In the name of being spiritual, they're not, they're not serious about anything, either material or spiritual. And that's the main problem in preaching in India also. It's not really the philosophy of all these bogus people that's the problem. They don't really have any philosophy anyway. What is the philosophy of Sai Baba? Either, you know, either Shirdi or so-called Satya Sai Baba. What is the philosophy of this Amma? Even if you ask their followers, they probably don't know. They haven't even thought about it, probably. Love all servo. Love all That's not a philosophy. That's just a slogan. With this Sri Sri rascal, he talks some kind of pseudo-philosophy, but he just change, he just makes it up as he goes along, and he has no, he's completely shameless, he can just change, he can say one thing and in the next sentence say something else, it's just, just complete nonsense. So the real problem is not their philosophy, but that they, they don't have any philosophy, and they make people think that you're just spiritual, without any understanding whatsoever. It's just the, it's, it's a so-called spiritualized version of the same materialistic way of life that they're living in. They go on with their material life and they don't think about anything. They come to spiritual life and they don't think about anything. Just love, love, amma, ah. There's nothing there. And that's probably... That, that's their philosophy. There is nothing. It's just all nothingness. Questions of the nature of reality. Why is there suffering in the world? How can we get free from suffering? They never even dreamed of such questions. At least in India, we are able at the present time to have some success in preaching by systematically teaching spiritual knowledge. The Prabhupada wrote that one of the purposes of ISKCON is systematic propagation of spiritual knowledge. So, uh, this system of having, uh, well, this, this is what we're doing in, in Gujarat, and I suggested that you do it here also. It's not only in Gujarat, but first of all, go to a place, have a public program, and then invite people to a six-session course, which gives some basic philosophical, structured, basic philosophical understanding. Not vague. 
very clear. This is like this, this is like this, material world is full of suffering, human life is meant for God-realization. Harinam is the yoga dharma, and taking up issues also like you don't have to renounce everything to be, to practice spiritual life. So in a public program, if you say you have 500 people coming, you may get 30 or 40 who come for the six-session course, who are interested enough. And out of them, when you finish the six-session course, you may get 15 or 20 who uh, take up chanting and they want to study Prabhupada's books. Their life has changed. They've entered Krishna consciousness. They, they, they can, they're beginning to appreciate the seriousness of it and the necessity of it. So they have to be cultivated by regular... They have to be told to read regularly, chant regularly, and devotees go once a week and give them more systematic training in spiritual knowledge. And this way people can actually become devotees. People in India are pious enough, some people still, that you can get them to chant Hare Krishna even without having much clear spiritual knowledge. Some people are still that pious. But I don't consider they've really become devotees unless they clearly understand what is the process and how we are to follow it. If they're still attached to demigod worship, that means they haven't understood the philosophy. They, it, they're not practicing Krishna consciousness with their heart. It's just some sentiment. So uh, some people, actually there may be many people, especially in India, who appreciate being given clear spiritual knowledge on which they can practically base their lives and make practical spiritual advancement. There's great hope even in these bad times. Our devotees have to be devotees. If the preachers are interested in personal financial gain from the people they preach among, then you can't, there's no question of preaching, you can't change their hearts. You first you have to change your own heart. A preacher means someone who wants to bring others to Krishna consciousness because he is convinced that without Krishna consciousness people, they simply have to suffer. So, uh, yeah, when one goes to preach, then others may respect him. So if one takes advantage of that to acquire money, then he's cheating others. Per acquire money for personal sense gratification. Or if one thinks that, oh, people will praise me and I will be, I will be very popular, then such a person cannot preach. They will become uh, subservient to me and I will dominate them and tell them what to do. And I, Such an attitude also. You can't, cannot actually change the hearts of people and, and help them to come closer to Krishna. Apani achare prabhu jibere shikai. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught the jivas by his personal example. So, our devotees, they should desire to uplift others by giving them the knowledge of Krishna consciousness. If we ourselves are addicted to watching television and worshipping demigods, we don't have any serious spiritual practice, we don't associate with devotees, 
What are we going to give to others? Catch others. Throw them in our camp. And yes, see, I made another devotee. This is not preaching. We're doing so much. We've got so many followers. We're better than you. This is all meaningless. Preaching, actual preaching, comes from the desire to help others. We shouldn't let our materialistic propensities flourish in the name of preaching. Our group is better than yours. We have more, more members, more money, more this, more that. We're better. This is totally materialistic consciousness. A devotee is not self-promoting. A devotee promotes Krishna. Oh, I don't tell anyone, but I had a dream in which Krishna came and massaged me. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. What is that? Apana bhajana kata nakahibo jatatata. This Rotanda says that What's, what is going, what is our own personal, spiritual life? That's not some, that's not a subject of discussion here and there. This is the business of the Prakrita Sahajiyas, the pretenders. In my dream, Radharani told me this and that. Our Acharyas, they don't speak like this. Maybe in a guarded way among certain people they may reveal certain things. Yeah, any other question? Anyway, this whole point of... It is a big area. It's, I was thinking about this quite a lot myself before you asked that question. Because I'm... I'm studying Bhagavad Gita when I get some time. And we can find so many things in there. It's just amazing. This Satyama Pratishtam Te Jagadahuranishwaram this verse, in this one verse Krishna summarizes every philosophy in the world. <laughs> and the whole demoniac mentality and what does it come down to? Uh, yeah, and then aparaspara sambhutam. Things are just going on. That's all. There's no real meaning. Think, oh, that can also mean things have... Aparaspara sambhutam. Everything's come into being by chance. That's what it means. Yeah, that's what the demons say. That's right, you're translating. So, kimanyat kama haituka. And the end result of all their philosophy is just sex. That's all. Then there's another verse which there's, there's oceans inside it. This Murakatu, uh, this Chaitanya Charitamrita. Murakatu mitomar nahid vedanta dika krishna mantra japa sada hai mantrasha. This uh, Ishvara Puri told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that you are a fool, you are not qualified for Vedanta. Just chant the Krishna mantra. This is the essence of all mantras. And there's you know, the whole purpose of Vedanta and the understanding of Vedanta and the history of this of the, the Vaishnava Sampradayas and it, it, it reflects on all of them. It's a huge subject just in those two lines. There was a an English mystic called William Blake. 
spoke of finding an ocean within a grain of sand. He was against the uh, prevailing rationalistic, mechanistic way of thought which was becoming prominent in England at the time. Rationalistic, mechanistic. There's no real, I, I think in, you can't really say it. Well, there may be sometimes, but because they're Western philosophical concepts which have come about in the context of Western culture, then it's difficult to even understand them without reference to, just like it's difficult for Western people to understand the concepts within Indian philosophy because it, it comes out of such a completely different way of looking at the world. To quote another English poet, now that I've gone down this alley, Rudyard Kipling, famous, very famous, that East is East and West is West and ne'er the twain shall meet, never the two shall meet. Because the, the whole Indian and, or the whole Asian way of thinking is so different to that of the West. The British just couldn't understand the Indians at all. They just, just couldn't relate to it at all. Well, now the two have met, the Indians have become Westerners. <laughs> or as one of my godbrothers noted, in, uh, in Germany, the, uh, the Indian Sahajaism has mixed with the uh, Hitleristic fascism. That's money done, I guess. You can't understand this. You have to, you have to, you have to, you have to have a check cynicism to understand this. It's alright, it's beyond you. Don't, don't bother with this. Just chant Hare Krishna. You don't get, you don't, don't even bother trying to understand this. It'll pull your consciousness down. Even, yeah, if we get too much into the study of this Western way or materialistic way of thinking, it'll actually pull our consciousness down. Even reading newspapers, and it, it just pulls our consciousness down because the whole way of thinking is so non-Krishna conscious. In, uh, in Dhaka, in Bangladesh, when we were starting our movement there, we had rented a house from... Uh, Muslim landlord who lived just in the opposite house. He was a Muslim in name only. It was completely materialistic, no interest in anything religious whatsoever. And he wanted some Western tenants so that we could bring whiskey for him. So we had to, part of the job of being there was we had to humor him. We had to humor him. That means talk to him in a way that, that makes him feel happy. So he used to give me Time magazine every week and that was my homework. I was supposed to read it and then discuss it with him. So after some time I found I was thinking of, you know, America's great, America's wonderful and I think, what's going on? This is this is Time magazine. What interest do I have in America? You know, I'm a member of the Hare Krishna movement for one thing. And uh, which is supposed to be to raise our understanding beyond the bodily level. At that time, I'd never even been in America. 
at the influence, uh, they, 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 nowhere is it state, it doesn't state directly, America is wonderful, but it just, it's, it's the, the underlying current of the whole magazine is pro-American, that what, everything in America is good and like this. Srila Prabhupada once looked at Time magazine and he said, devotees shouldn't read this, if they read this they'll think the material world is real. This India today is the, it's like a copy of the Time magazine, but, but Indian oriented. I used to read it sometimes, many years ago. I don't, I haven't looked at it for many, many years now. It's just so materialistic. The writers just assume that building factories and making money, and th this is the goal of life. Religion is stupid. I, I, I read some article about some, they were glorifying some Indian student who had gone to America and become an American football player. How he eats two hamburgers for breakfast. And they, they thought this was you know, something wonderful. So, and you can see the influence of this, this kind of uh, journalism and propaganda on people in India. People in India weren't nationalistic. There was no concept of nation. You never used to see this three, orange, white and green. Now it's painted everywhere. Even you get Madungas which are orange, white and green. Isn't it? You seen them? The, the color of the national flag. You all know that. Maybe the Russians don't know it. it this idea of making people identify with their nation is just for exploiting people, that's all. For the nation, you should go to war. For the nation, we should sacrifice. There are some big demons who are making lots of money. They don't go to war. They don't sacrifice. And they manipulate people in the name of India, or America, or Russia, or whatever it may be. Our nation. So devotees really should be more intelligent. They, uh, Materialistic people don't think. They think that the propaganda makes them think that they think, but they don't think. If some movie comes out, just like there was this movie about dinosaurs, Jurassic Park, it was about 20 years ago, so, and everyone was interested in dinosaurs. I remember in school, there was, in the biology class, we had dinosaurs. I, 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 I just found it as boring as the rest of the biology course. Nothing of interest in dinosaurs, but all of a sudden, the whole world's dinosaurs, dinosaurs. What is this dinosaurs? The press is it's so influential. The press, the TV, the movies they make. So devotees should not partake in this foolishness. In reading Prabhupada's books for the first time, and not just for the first time, but maybe especially for the first time. I, I, I recognize that here is someone who is completely seen through the illusion of material life. And, and is in contact and is completely knowledgeable of and can give us knowledge of actual reality. The whole of modern civilization is based around sex. Who can realize that? All the philosophers, they can't understand. They're just mesmerized by it. Prabhupada catches the exact point. 
makes it very clear. Prabhupada wrote that demons have invented games like tennis so that they can see the bodies of the opposite sex. They can see the young girls with their short tennis, what is that, skirts. Recently I was on a flight on Emirates Airlines from Dubai to Chennai. And in front of each seat they have a mini cinema screen so each passenger can choose which movie they watch. So because Emirates is an international airline, they have, you can choose Hindi movies or Hollywood movies. So uh, I saw, I mean I don't consciously look, but I saw in one screen there was some Indian movie and some girl wriggling around like this, just moving in a way to to excite some sexual feelings. So I didn't keep my eyes on that. But the next screen my eyes came to was some Western movie. A bit more gross movements, it was another woman doing like this. They, they make them move in the movie so, so that there's some suggestive, sexual suggestiveness. I just laughed, you know, it's the same thing. It's a, either Indian style or Hollywood style. It's Bollywood or Hollywood, it's the same thing. So, we're fortunate that Prabhupada saved us from all this nonsense. But really we shouldn't get victimized by this nonsense. The whole of modern civilization is an anartha. It's, uh, the, the, everything about it is just planned to help us go to hell, that's all. The whole society is just simply cheating. And even the big people at the top who are cheating, they're also cheated by Maya. But unless we carefully study Prabhupada's books and follow the practices of Krishna consciousness, we will be affected by this nonsensical society that's all around us. Even we can read other Krishna conscious books, but they don't have the bite that Prabhupada has. Clear understanding to distinguish reality from illusion. It's not very meaningful for us to concentrate on hearing about Krishna's pastimes with the gopis when uh, we ourselves, we, we still don't know the difference between what is reality and what is illusion. What will we understand about Krishna and the gopis if we are ourselves still besozzled by this sense gratification society? So, uh, some other books also, Sahotra Swami's books which are available here, they're very much in that, yeah, I mean the very books he has, that's what, what is that, substance and shadow, the whole point is to, in that book is to differentiate between what is reality and what is simply the misrepresentation of reality. Okay, now it's time for some chanting Hare Krishna. We need educational institutions for investigation into the deeper philosophical matters, for training children from a young age. All levels of education are needed. It's, uh, people come and join us as devotees, but it's, some, it's something like, you know, you have cancer 
It's not that you just take an aspirin for cancer. You've got to take, you know, a, a, a heavy course of detoxification. Right. So we need a very serious course of re uh, reorientation. We need systematic education in the actual values of life. So yeah, take the kids, train them from a young age. That's the best way. Those of us who come when we've already had so much nonsense punched into our system, well, we need systematic detoxification and rejuvenation with Krishna conscious topics. And those who are convinced and who have that... Uh, intellectual capacity, some of them can go for uh, research into the uh, deeper philosophical topics. The deepest, the deepest philosophical topic is surrender to Krishna. But there are some details which persons of philosophical and intellectual tendency, they, they need to be dealt with for the sake of such people. Alright, so yeah, we'll have Kirtan now. This is the end of our Shravanam Kirtanam camp here. It's not the end of our Shravanam Kirtanam. Well, our, this Kirtan will end this camp, but it's not the end of our Shravanam and Kirtanam. That goes on eternally. But thank you all for coming. Thank you for the organizers in organizing all the various services that were performed. We have a kitchen team performing heavy service throughout the day. You can understand so much effort has gone into this. If you're able to, you can also, if you feel inclined, you can also make some donation because as usual, these camps, the, the cost is not covered by the yeah, always there's a shortfall. This time also. So donations are welcome and thank you to all for the organizers, servants, participants. And we trust that everyone who has participated will uh, feel renewed enthusiasm in devotional service for practicing and preaching Krishna consciousness. Everyone should practice and according to our capacity, preach.